0: You're listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. If you've got a Bible, would you find Hebrews chapter 10, 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews? If you didn't bring a Bible, there's a pew Bible in front of you. Turn to page 1194 there. Everybody needs a copy of God's Word. And when you find Hebrews chapter 10, look up here if you will. The ground has shifted in a remarkable way over the past four months. We ourselves had no presence of worship services inside the room, inside the building for some nine weeks and the pandemic has changed us. In fact, it's changed the way in which we worship and interact even at a level of church, how we just embrace one another in that. And the virus has given us strong reasons for a number of precautions Our epidemiologists, our doctors, those who are in the know are battling for our health and our safety. Our economists are battling for our economy to get us back to work. Over the next few moments, I want to trace out something altogether different than either of those polls, either the right or the left. I want to look at how the pandemic is altering the ways in which we worship. You know, unforeseen colossal events alter us take the greatest generation turn that in recent years they successfully defeated nazism came back to start both a housing boom and a baby boom then we had urbanization where over the past decade or more we've seen more of the world's population inside cities over half for the first time in world history it is estimated by 2030 that 60% of the world's population will be inside cities, leaving others to grow their food. Our great-grandparents would have not foreseen this coming. And then, are you aware, it's the 60th anniversary of the pill, May 9th, 1960. The pill came out. And technology has a way of shaping us that's unforeseen when we adopt it. Would you be surprised to know that families are much smaller than they were in 1959 before the pill for every thousand people americans were seeing 23 births and now for every thousand people we're seeing around 12 births just about half you say why does that matter you take that and abortion and we've got a new day in which we're struggling to understand how social security can be propped up because the decisions made over much of my lifetime colossal events have unforeseen circumstances for us and today i'm grateful for technology in our worship we're right to be cautious about covid19 the pandemic and yet the technology that so many of us are enjoying and using has its own set of challenges in hebrews chapter 10 I want to look at the importance of coming together for worship. And while the ability to worship online is a tremendous gift, one that we've used for years and continue to use for years, it has its limitations. Beginning in verse 19 through verse 25 is one lengthy paragraph in the letter called Hebrews. And yet the paragraph, if we're reading the original language of Greek of the New Testament, is but one sentence. It's a long sentence, tightly knit argument beginning in 19 the writer of hebrews says this therefore brothers since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh and since we have a great priest over the house of god let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast, the second of three let us statements. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is, what's that next word? Faithful. And now our focus for the morning. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. May God bless the reading of his word. Over the next few moments from verses 24 and 25 primarily, I want to trace four reasons why we should gather, we should come together for worship. The first of which is we need to follow God's commands. We need to follow God's command. Notice in verse 22 is the first of which the commands we see here in Hebrews. And the command is, let us draw near with a true heart, with full assurance. The command is to draw near, it's a command from God. Now, how many of you grew up in a home where your parents said, when you asked, why do I have to do this? The parents said, because I. and Really, that should be all it needs from God. If God commands it, we're to do it. He says, jump, we're to say how high. But most of us are not at that maturity level. Most of us, if we read a command of God, we need the rationalization. We need to know why. And really, it's a lack of trust in him when we see this. We bristle at the command. We have a a day and time of which we think, well, we need to know a little bit more before we actually do what you say. But what we need to be aware of is that every one of God's commands are not for his benefit, they're for our benefit. Every one of God's commands are not for his benefit but our benefit. Every one of God's commands is for your happiness, they're for your holiness, they're for your safety and security. All of God's commands. Every time he says thou shall not, he's telling you to help yourself to happiness, holiness, safety and security every time god commands and so my hope and prayer for you as a believer if you are a believer in christ is that you will arrive at that destination that level of maturity when god says it that's all you need and one of the commands we see is right here in verse 24 and 25 the bible says we are to not neglect to meet together in fact you could see there the writer of hebrews probably 60 70 maybe 80 AD, 40, 50 years, maybe 30 years after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, evidently some are already neglecting the habit. It's a command of God. It's a command that we get together. In fact, in America today, as we think about how we gather for worship, oftentimes we come into the house of God three times in our lives and three times only, when we're born, when we're married, and when we die when we're hatched when we're matched and we're dispatched that's the only three times that we'll come into the house of God and yet the Bible commands are worship we're to come together for worship you know before the pandemic most pastors that were talking shop we knew what the surveys were telling us that the committed are not as committed as they used to be that's what's been happening over the decade before any pandemic Those who used to be attending three and four times a month had slid to two and three. And those who were two or three times a month had slid to one. And those who were coming quarterly had dropped into sort of a holiday season. That's what's happening in America. You take this coupled with the rampant use of divorce in America where Junior is switching households, one week with dad, next week with mom, And the max amount of times he can meet with his Bible fellowship group is 26 times a year. We are seeing long before COVID the committed are not as committed as they used to be. It's not that you've gone anywhere. It's that you just haven't been lately. I experienced this firsthand in late 2019. We do a dinner about three to four times a year for our guests. We try to track. That's why we ask for those communication cards. We reach out to you and we invite you and try to get to know you and get to meet you. And among the things we were doing was looking at those who had been guests in our church over the last three months. And I'm sort of the, I'm sort of the, the, the guy at the net hockey goalie, that's the word I'm looking for. I'm the last line of defense picking up the phone and calling them and hoping that we can get them to answer their phone in America today. It's impossible to get you to answer your phone. And so I'm looking at the sheet and the sheet's telling me The Mays family hasn't been to our church in two months and I think to myself, why am I even doing this? They've moved on. Just skip this family. But because I gave my word, I decided I'd make the phone call. You know what I discovered? They hadn't checked out on us. What I discovered anecdotally was their regular church practice prior to meeting us was to come about every two to three months. Where the old paradigm of coming every week had been lost. Coming like once a quarter was actually a great thing. They hadn't moved on. This was just their practice. It showed me just how the out of step I was with the time in which we are. I want you to see something. Let's go back to the text of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 10. Notice in verse 19, the text says the following. We're going to focus on verse 19. We'll be at verse 24 in just a moment. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places. Now, what you and I may not be aware, if we were to turn back prior to Matthew inside Genesis to Malachi, what we'd find is the way in which we'd worship is we'd come into the temple, but only one of us could get into this very secluded space. There's verse 19, the holy of holies. What your text of Scripture is saying is that in past times, you did not have direct access, but presently you do have direct access. What's given you direct access to God? Is it God lessened his demands? He just woke up one day and said, you know what? I used to be tough, I'm gonna ease up. Not at all, look what happened. By the blood of Jesus, last five words in verse 19. If you are a believer and you've had the blood of Jesus applied to you, then you have direct access to God. The death of Jesus. Remember what happened in his death that day? The veil of the temple was torn from bottom to top. Is that how it was torn? Did it start at the bottom, go to the top? No, top to bottom as if God reached down from heaven and pulled the curtain and said, this is no more. That is the great opportunity that the blood of Jesus gives us. You have direct access to God. Don't pass go, don't collect $200 don't need a priest don't need a baptist pastor you have direct access to god this is worship and it's powerful but here's the challenge because we've not had an experience where we were not permitted to go in to the holy of holies we don't appreciate it take for instance the 2016 presidential election People that are in the know that track voting were head over their heels in love with 61% of Americans went to the polls in 2016. 61%, that was huge. Do You remember when George W. Bush set up democracy in Iraq? Remember the news coverage the first day they got to vote? It wasn't 61%, was it? It was really, really high, like 90 to 100%. Why? they'd never had that privilege before you see it's not until you have the famine that you experience the joy of having food it's not until you've had the opportunity where you don't have the opportunity to worship that your heart rejoices at the privilege in america today the privileges of voting but the privileges of worship we've lost the power of that we need to be in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. Why? Because we need to follow God's commands. They're for my health, they're for my happiness, they're for my holiness, they're for my safety, my security. The second reason I want to ask you to consider and develop a habit of personal worship is not only because you need to follow God's commands, but because we need to confront one another. Now that's not a misprint. I didn't mess up there. I'll mess up from time to time and say we need to comfort one another. No, we need to confront one another back in hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 you see the little word there to stir up your translation may say to 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 spur one another it really is the original word there in verse 24 and 25 is to irritate one another some of you are mighty good at this you are excellent at this you've been good at this for a long time i'd be careful amening at this point in the pastor's sermon if you're married you may want that delorean to drive home in that may be the only thing available to you the bible here commands us to stir one another up to irritate one another what does it mean every so often i need a confrontive question if i'm going to grow and the bible here says i need people in my life who will sharply disagree with me and to sharply confront me you know if you and i were to get into satan's headquarters If we had access into the gates of hell right into the headquarters of Satan and listened to the strategy, Satan would say to his minions, convince American Christians that they can do Christianity all by themselves. And it is very successful. The Bible commands us to stir up one another, to, if necessary, sharply confront one another. In my life over the last several months, One of my best friends has passed away, pastor of a church, uh, probably about twice the size of our church, and found out that his death was related to some activities that he shouldn't have been doing. And one of the things I've discovered this week is that people had been confronting him in the life of the church. But he was saying he has accountability partners and he would name me among others. But here's the challenge. I live three hours from him. I was texting him maybe once every week to two weeks, seeing him about twice a year. I didn't know enough. I couldn't see enough. I wasn't given access enough to do what he was asking me to do. Do You know what it's like to walk in and see your 40-something year old friend in a casket? This is real. Pride is real. Arrogance is real. And you need people, I need people who come in and say, no, (laughs) no, we're not going to do that, and we're not going to do it. And no is the best word you need to hear. You need that. In fact, as we talk about coming together for worship, we don't do this in this room, do we? There's a limitation online, but there's a limitation to this room. We need to get into another room inside this facility or get into a living room where we have long, lingering conversations together. Back in verse 24, the Bible says here, we're to not neglect to meet together. Original word there, that's our word synagogue. The word synagogue right here, to meet together. Why is that word important? Because we are not an audience, we're a congregation. Let me give you two pictures, contrasting pictures. An audience, and Americans love audience and church. Audiences slip and slide by one another like we're marbles. But a congregation is organically connected like a cluster of grapes. A grape cluster, if we're living that way as a congregation, we meet together, we talk to one another, we do life together, we ask challenging questions. The practice of Americans is to slip in the back a little late and to slip out a little early because really talking to one another can be a drag. And yet, we're missing the commands of God. In fact, in your worship guide today, even if you've had it digitally, we've given you just a quick summary. You know, there's more than 50 of the one another's inside the New Testament. What do I mean by that? Honor one another, love one another, cherish one another, greet one another, encourage one another, confront one another. These are the commands of God. Just like thou shall not... Worship any other gods before me. These have the equal importance of it. Satan has done a great job reminding us and telling us we don't need to do any of this. And when we're in isolation as believers, he can pick us off like a sniper. We need to confront one another. We're a congregation. We need to come together. So let me ask you a challenging question, the first that I'll ask of many today. Do you have somebody in your life who will ask you the tough questions to help you grow? Do you have somebody that will lovingly confront you? We need to develop the habit of worshiping together. Why? Because on the Lord's day, we need to be in the Lord's house to confront one another because of God's commands. Here's the third. You need to develop the habit of both public and private worship. Third, because we need to encourage one another. We need to encourage one another. Back in verse 24 and verse 25, the text of Scripture just says it this way, but encouraging one another. You ever notice how my sermons at some of the points come straight from Scripture? wonder why that is. But encouraging one another. We're to encourage one another. We are to come to a place, not we're just as an audience, we come here and we come sing, but we come, and what do we do? We come. When we come together, it's a public statement to say that I'm still a believer but it does something powerful. You know, long before the present epidemic of COVID-19, there was another epidemic that experts were telling us. It just wasn't getting the coverage. It's a loneliness, a loneliness epidemic, a loneliness epidemic. Why do I say that? Recent surveys tell us that large numbers of us don't have significant relationships. Large numbers of you by survey are saying that you do not have significant relationships. More than half of Americans are saying When asked, they don't have anybody to talk to who really knows them. Back when I was a kid, my favorite teams could build a dynasty because free agency was almost non existent. But now, if a player plays his whole career with one team, it's newsworthy, isn't it? Every part of America is a free agency. Our marriages are free agency. Our athletic teams are free agency. We don't have a free agency. My my grandfather worked for the United States Steel Mills for 30-plus years. Everything's free agency, and it's killing us because if we don't stay in one place long enough so that you get to know me back when I had brown hair and I was skinny, huh? (laughs) Somebody says, Pastor, that wasn't long ago. I appreciate it. But you get the point. In fact, loneliness is such a big deal, I had no idea. Loneliness is connected to psychiatric disorders such as depression, anxiety, and schizophrenia. Recently in the life of our church, one of our staff members asked one of the retiring officers, is it more difficult today to be a police officer now than it was when you started? He said, absolutely. Why? He said, mental illness. Loneliness contributes to schizophrenia psychiatric issues of depression a ucla study just five years old said that social isolation will trigger my cells can trigger my cells into chronic inflammation and when that happens i'm more prone to heart disease stroke certain forms of cancer as well as mental deterioration diseases Again, a 2015 study put together 3.4 million people, over 70 different studies, and said that even these, these over three plus million over these seven years, that loneliness has increased their chances of dying by some 26%. There is a loneliness epidemic. And it's going to get much worse while we're waiting on a vaccine. Our senior adults are hurting, our teenagers are hurting anecdotally this past week we've had our student ministry camp normally if you're going to get middle class kids to really like camp you got to take them someplace fun i always tell my kids they're not happy until i'm sitting fireworks out of my ear but the 80 plus kids that were at our church their camp was right here many of them loved it we got better than average feedback it's because they haven't been anywhere in three months yeah you take everything away and then give them you know an MM, they're happy right we need to encourage one another this is an isolated time everybody needs encouragement a child's going to need encouragement if a child's going to be successful through all the way through high school and college and beyond an athlete enjoys home court advantage why because the people there will encourage him encourage her Even the Apostle Paul needs encouragement. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, these are his words in a discouraging period of time of ministry. Can you read them with me? Can we read them out loud? You ready? For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Christ titus stop right there it wasn't just that god sent a heavenly angel to comfort paul god sent titus some things will change in the pandemic some things will not change when you show up to speak to me and encourage me we laugh together we smile together we weep together that's not going to change from the writing of the bible to the present we need the encouragement of love and hope together. On the Lord's day, we need to be in the Lord's house to confront one another, but to encourage one another. Here's the last reason I give you for why you need to have developed a habit of public and private worship. And it's this we need to step it up. We need to step it up. Why is that? Look at verse 25 again. Again, this odd thing, all these points just happen to be in the scriptures. Crazy. Who knew this? All the more as you see the day drawing near do you see how the word day in your english translations is capitalized you capitalize proper nouns this is the second coming the bible says the bible says that as we approach the second coming things are going to get worse i'm not here to pronounce that jesus is coming back at the end of 2020 i'm not on the planning committee but i do want to be on the welcoming committee so how do i welcome his second coming well, I step up the frequency and the intensity of all that God was commanding me to do up here, to love and encourage and to even confront. I step up the intensity and the frequency. Retired Fort Worth police officer saw me between services having just heard me say this. He said, do you know what it means when a, one police officer gets on the radio to the others? And he says, step it up, lights and sirens. I said, my parents would say, No lollygagging. Get your rear end here right now. We need to step it up. We don't need to be stepping it down. One of the great tools of Satan in our day is to create confusion and couple that with apathy. Apathy. We need to step up our game in this time. We don't need a church where we slip in the back after it starts and slip out Right before, we need a church where we come together and we linger and talk with one another. Again, we're not an audience, we're a congregation. We're not marbles that slide past one another and get upset because your door dings mine the parking lot. We're organically connected and we talk with one another and we develop those conversations. So if you don't have underlying conditions and you're not of a certain age, I'm calling upon you to do the best thing for yourself. Let's worship together. Let's come together to encourage one another and confront one another. And let's step up the frequency. You know, if we're not careful, I started this by talking about the colossal events and how they can change us. There's a canary in the coal mine of what we could look like. Just travel across the Atlantic, travel across the pond, and there we'll find that The citizens of Great Britain, polls would tell us right around World War II, the Churchill days, 25 percent, 25 percent on any given Sunday were in church. Today it's 5 percent, one-fifth of the attendance back then. They're the canary in the coal mine. This pandemic could have just that kind of change on our society if we're not careful. Why do I say that? Am I overly pessimistic? I say that because when I married, I was 165 pounds, and now it's none of your business what I am. (laughs) You know how easy it is to get out of the practice of exercise? Anybody? What do you think this is going to do to us In our society. Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.